0: Well, hey there, church family, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles today to Psalm chapter 18. Psalm 18, uh, the words will also be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn there. Uh, it, this is one of the Psalms of David, one of the, the the Psalms that David wrote, and in it he recalls how God has delivered him. And in preparing for this Sunday, just felt like the Lord wanted us to, to be reminded of the fact that he is our deliverer, that he is our help in times of trouble. In fact, that's the the title of today's message is Help in Times of Trouble. David here had experienced immense opposition and incredible levels of stress and trouble in his life. And in, in this Psalm, he references both the challenges that he faced and the way that God came through for him. And so there's this clear tension that exists for David in that God had called him. God had anointed him. Samuel, the the, the the priest, the prophet had come and anointed him to be the next king of Israel, which must have been an incredible moment for David as a young man, as a young boy, to realize that he would be the king. And I imagine that uh, his mind must have just been filled with all of the possibilities. What does this mean, and uh, you know what will it be like to be the king to be the one in charge? Yet the circumstances that followed that moment were not very royal and not very kingly. Uh, we know that that David uh, killed Goliath. We know that there was these points of victory in his life, but there was also some really, really difficult things. That happened in his life before he would ultimately ascend to the throne, and even once he became king uh, didn 't mean that the trouble was over that there were things that happened, there were challenges that that came in david 's life. But one thing that was consistent is that we see in the psalms that he cried out to God over and over and over again. So Psalm eighteen is just one of the psalms where David recalls us, where he sings about god 's deliverance in uh, in his life. You know, we can experience that same tension in our own lives, that those moments where we go, you know, I know that God loves me. I know that he saved me. I know that he has a plan for my life. But we end up facing challenges in our lives that that we just can't explain, that we just feel stuck. We feel like we're kind of backed into a corner. We don't see a way out. And, and that creates a tension in our thinking and in our emotions, in our souls about where is God in the midst of this. And I'm so encouraged today that the same God who delivered David in the midst of his trouble is the same God who is in, in the, on the move and at work in our lives. You know, there are times, every one of us faces times in our lives where we feel stuck, where we get lost. We we lose our way. We we we're maybe uh, trying to figure out what the next steps are. There's times where we just end up uh, in trouble. That we feel like we're we're in a place of of trouble that that we can't get out of. There's times where we feel disillusioned, or maybe you feel under attack, as David did, that there were those that were coming against him, whether whether it was other people or it was Satan that was coming against him or coming against us. And and in those moments, we sometimes wonder, what do I do? What's the next step? What's the right course of action? And one of the things that we recognize that is a challenge, especially in the culture today, is the ability to ask for help. We're just not good at asking for help when we're facing a difficult difficult circumstance, and that can be for a number of reasons culturally uh, it can be uh, emotional, it can be relational uh, m- maybe asking for help is just a challenge personally. maybe you were raised in a, in a in a home or raised in an environment that said that you that said you would just you know help yourself that you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make things happen if you're going to move ahead in life it's because you take life you kind of take the bull by the horns and move things forward in fact there's that old saying says that god helps those who help themselves which couldn't be further from biblical truth that that is such an inaccurate lie in fact the roots of that statement come from Greek mythology, and it was the gods, plural, small g, gods, uh, help those who help themselves. And so as a reference to Greek mythology, it is not a biblical reference at all. In fact, the whole gospel is wrapped up in this idea that we could not help ourselves, and so God came in the in the form of a baby. Jesus took on flesh to help us because we were helpless. And so, uh, if you if you've maybe bought into that that line, God helps those who helps help themselves. Not true at all of the God that we serve. That God helps those who are absolutely. Helpless. Uh, maybe asking for help is a challenge because it can be perceived as uh, as weakness. Or there's a inherent vulnerability that goes with saying "I need I need help. I don't know the answer. I don't know how to get out of this. I'm I'm stuck, and I need someone to help me. And that can be a vulnerable place to be. Uh, maybe there's shame associated with it. Maybe you grew up in an environment, or you've you've been raised or trained in an environment where I, Asking for help is something that, that is shameful, that those who, who ask for help get mocked or made fun of. And, and so maybe there's been a commitment in your life to say, I'm just not going to ask for help. I'm gonna, uh, I'll figure it out on my own. And for some, uh, maybe not asking for help because, well, you just should know what to do. You should know what the answer is, and so don't ask for help. But the truth is, we don't all know everything, and there's no way for us to always know the answer. I think when we're little, it's a lot easier for us to ask for help. But as we get older, it becomes more and more of a challenge. It becomes more difficult. And we bring those cultural things. We bring uh, those pressures that we grow up with into our relationship with God where we would feel those same tensions where we say, you know, I'm not going to ask God. I don't want to bother him. I, 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 I feel like God would disparage me, that he would look badly at me, or I should already know this, or I, I keep facing the same challenge over and over, and God must be just frustrated with me and, and tired of me asking for help, so I'm just not going to ask anymore. And so we bring those things we experience in the world that we live in into our relationship with God. And my hope today is that you hear clear, clearly from Scripture that that is not the God that we serve, that the God that we serve is absolutely available to us, that we can cry out to Him morning, night, night noon, doesn't matter, doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, doesn't matter what your life stage is, it doesn't matter what your occupation is, it doesn't matter how long you've known Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if, if, even if you don't know him at all, that he's still available, that we can cry out out to his His name, and we can seek help from him, and that he hears those prayers. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what our education is or, or what kind of ministry you're involved in, all of those things. It doesn't matter that when we find ourselves in difficult times, when we find ourselves uh, in broken places and stuck places, that we can cry out to God. As reminded just a few months ago, uh, we probably all remember seeing that giant container ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal. It was a ship called the Ever Given, and it's one of the largest container ships in the world, just astronomically big. And uh, as it was moving through the Suez Canal, uh, the wind actually that picked up and and pushed the ship off course and they tried to correct it and and in in doing so overcorrected and it ended up running aground. It it ran its nose right into to the bank and it got stuck and it was stuck there for six days. And of course the eyes of the world were on this. There was TV crews and helicopters and uh, and the big story with this was it was so big that no other ships could pass through the Suez Canal. And for six days, all of the hundreds of container ships that would ordinarily bring goods from from east to west and vice versa, were sitting waiting, and captains of ships were de- deciding would they sail around the Cape of Good Hope in Africa and take the long way around, and or are we going to wait for the ship uh, to be freed? And I remember looking at the TV images and thinking, well, how, how hard could it be? Just, you know, just get a few tugs and just kind of, it ran in this direction, just push it out. Maybe you felt the same way and, uh, you know, it was like, well, it just just back it out, put it in reverse. Uh, the thing is, though, it took a long time because what was below the surface, what you couldn't see below the surface of the water was that the, the ground had get, gotten progressively shallower and that that container ship the giant nose that, that protrudes off of the bow of that ship had actually dug into the earth and and a good third of the the, the whole of that ship was actually uh ground and was with the currents and, and the movement of the water and the wind was each day was getting progressively more stuck. And so of course they had to bring in dredging equipment and backhoes and all kinds of equipment to remove the the soil or move the dirt and the sand underneath the ship until finally uh, these giant tugboats that actually came from Europe and other places were able to nudge it backwards and eventually dislodge it and free it but i just i just remember thinking well how hard can this be and i think sometimes it's that way in our lives like On the surface, it looks like, well, you just kind of, you got stuck. So just kind of reverse your way out, back your way out of it. But what we don't always see is what's happening below the surface in our lives. And whether that's you and even in your own life, understanding the whys and the what's and and what's led to the things that, that, the circumstances that you find yourself in. Or when we look at the lives of others and go, well, they just need to fix it. They just need to turn themselves around. It's not always that simple that there's so often things below the surface, things that are unseen that are going on that that can really complicate matters. And so getting unstuck and getting free and, and really finding that salvation, finding that deliverance isn't always as easy as it sounds, which is why we need God's presence in our lives. This is why we call out to him. This is why we cry out to him. See, because where we don't see, God sees. Where we don't know, God knows. Where we're confused, God is not confused ever. When we don't have the solutions, God always knows what is going on. When we can't see down the road, when we can't see the future, God says, I'm already there. I am already working. And so I want to read Psalm 18. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. And, uh, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about what David writes here. This is what he says in, in verse one. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies." The cords of death entangled me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of the grave coiled around me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord, I cried to to my God for help, and from his temple, he heard my voice, my cry came before him and into his ears." It's a beautiful Psalm of David. And like I said, there's a number of Psalms that are similar, uh, but there's a few things in this that I particularly love. And so we'll talk about those in just a second here. As I mentioned, a Psalm of David. uh, Samuel, again, had anointed him to be king. He had killed Goliath. He had seen these victories in his life. There was great promise. Uh, He was serving in the courts of Saul. He had become friends with Jonathan. And his life was looking like it was taking this upward trajectory. He was on the fast track to the palace, and life was amazing. And then things turn around. And they don't just turn around a little bit, they turn around badly. See, because King Saul becomes threatened by the presence of David. And so he makes it his goal to eliminate the competition. And so he goes after David. He tries to kill this young man who was the age of his own son. David could have been the king's own son, and he becomes set on killing David, and he starts pursuing David, starts trying to take his life. And at the same time, as David is running from Saul, there are other enemies that come against him as well. So here he is, a young man. He's now been surrounded. We read in 1 Samuel 22 that there was a group of about 300 or 400 men that had gathered around him, and it says that they were having a hard time. They were distressed and indebted and disillusioned. But they come to David, and he becomes their leader. And so there's this this gang of misfits who are just in a very difficult circumstance. And David has been pursued, and things are bad. And when we say things are bad, it's not just a slightly bad day. It's a really, really, really difficult season for David. Listen to what he says in verse 4. He says, The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. Listen to that, the, the imagery here, the cords of death entangled me. I felt like I was about to die, that this trap had been set and that I was looking death square in the face. The torrents of destruction overwhelm me. This picture of waves overwhelming. Have you ever been in the ocean? Maybe got caught in a, a riptide or in a current and you're trying to swim against it or the surf all of, all of a sudden gets big and, and you realize I can't fight against this. This is the imagery that David is saying. He says that that destruction is coming against him like this wave, like this, this wall of water that has overwhelmed him that he can't get out of. He says that the, the cords of the grave coiled around me, again, using that picture of ropes that had tied him up and that have bound him. And he says that the snares, the traps of death confronted me. You hear, there, you hear in his words here, the depth of the trouble that he was in, that, that David was in severe, severe trouble. Things were really not looking well. I think we'd all agree it's a pretty bad day. When the king is trying to kill you, when the person who rules the nation is after you, wants to take your life. And so, so David paints a clear picture here in the psalm of what's going on, the things that he is facing, and they are severe. Maybe at times you feel that same way. Maybe you feel like the things that are coming against you, the places that, are, that you're struggling in, the things that, 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 that you, uh, th- those places where you feel painted into a corner, or you don't know what to do, those places where you feel lost, maybe they can feel this way to you as well, where you go, I don't know what to do. I feel, I feel like the world is closing. I feel overwhelmed. I feel like that I, I'm tied up and I have no power, that I am powerless but I want to look at how David responds. And I remember he's looking back, he's looking, he's recalling what God has done. And I know for all of us that we have seen God move in our lives in big ways and in small ways. And so we, like David, need to do a couple of things. We need to remember this. We need to remember that God is my rock My fortress, my deliverer, my shield, the horn of my salvation, and my stronghold. Those are all things that David says about who God is when he starts the psalm. He says, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock. He says that twice. Twice. The rock, the one that I can stand on, the, the firm foundation Jesus would, would later refer to uh, the man who builds his house upon the rock, the one when the waves would come and when the trouble would come, that his house would stand firm, that we stand on the rock that cannot be moved. David says that he is the one in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. These are the things that he ascribes to God. He says that, I I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. In the times where I don't have strength, in the times where I am weak, you are my strength. You are the the one that is ever, ever there, that you are immovable, that you are my fortress, that I can run to you and I can take refuge in you that God, you are my deliverer, that you will deliver me out of impossible circumstances. The shield, that he is our protector, that God is a shield about us, that he will protect us from the onslaught of the enemy. The horn of my salvation, I love this one. What is the horn of my salvation? If you ever watched a movie where things were really bad, like maybe a war movie, or one of the Lord of the Rings movies, or something like that, and, and it just seems like, the, the, the enemy is overwhelming and 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 there 's no way out and At this key moment there 's the horn that sound there 's the trumpet that sounds, and that there 's this deliverance that comes as as refresh as fresh troops come in and they save the day. The horn of my salvation, the one who sounds this call to bring salvation in my life that this is who God is, that he announces that he is our salvation and he says that he is our stronghold, that we can run to him. We have to remember that this is who God is, always and forever, that he is unchanging, that that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that we can run to him. in those times of trouble, church, that we would stop and go, wait, God is my refuge, God is my rock, God is my deliverer, God is my shield, no matter what it is that we're walking through, that we would recall like David, who God is. The next thing that David does is this. He remembers and he recalls that God is the one who hears. God is the one who who hears. In verse 6, he says this, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. I cried to the Lord. I was in this place of distress and trouble. And I called to God. I cried out to him for help. And God heard my voice. And I tell you today, God hears the cries of your heart. God hears the cries of your prayers. That when you call out to him, he hears you. That your, your requests, your petitions, your cries do not fall on deaf ears, that God is attentive to what is happening in your life, that he sees you, that he hears you, and that when you call to him, that he hears. He hears. There's something so important and so deeply comforting about that, to know that, that when you send out that distress call, when you send out that cry for help, that God hears, that God's already moving, that he's already at work in your life. He loves you so deeply. He cares about you so deeply that he's not aloof, that he's not disconnected, that he's not ignoring you, that he hears the cries of your your heart. And then David goes on to say this, that God saves. Remember that God saves. In verse three, he says this, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he's heard my cry, and I have been saved from my enemies. The, the title of this message is Help in Times of Trouble. It doesn't matter what kind of trouble we're walking through. It doesn't matter what it is that you're facing, how how difficult, how serious. Uh, it doesn't matter if you feel like it's something minor or something major, that when you cry out to God, not only does he here, but that he moves, that he is a God who saves, that he brings help in the time of trouble. I mentioned that David is writing this in hindsight. He's remembering what God has done. What's amazing to me is that when you read the Old Testament, you read about the life of David, that he praised God even in the midst of the storm. We actually sing about that. we I'll praise him in the storm. Why? Because God is moving, even in the midst of those times where we feel stuck. Even in the times where we feel like we've run aground like that container ship, that we know that God is moving. In fact, with that analogy, that there was a crew that was feverishly working to free the ship. In the midst of, in the midst of the, that, those six days, that, that something was happening that would ultimately result in that ship being freed up. Whatever it is that you're walking through today, whatever that point of stuckness is, whatever that hurt, whatever that, that, that place of, of uh, feeling disillusioned and, uh, disillusioned and lost and not knowing what those steps are, know this: that God hears you, that he is your refuge, he is your fortress, he is your shield, he is your provider, he is your protector, and God is already moving. He is already moving, and he is worthy of praise because of it that he is worthy of praise because he is the Lord. He is moving on your behalf. David says, I have been saved from my enemies. I've been saved from my enemies. I don't know what it is that you're facing today, but God does. I don't know what it is, what what the obstacles are, those places of maybe disillusionment, maybe wondering about what what decisions you need to make for you or for your family. Maybe it's a work decision or a financial decision or something regarding your health. Maybe it's a friendship. No matter what it is, know this, that God hears the cries of your heart, that he is a a rock and a fortress to you, that he is your deliverer, that he sees you, that he hears you, and God is moving God is moving. The same God that delivered David from his enemies is at work in your life today. I'd love to pray for you. If that's you, if you're facing an obstacle today, if you're facing a challenge today, if you're walking through something difficult, let's go to the Lord together today. Let's let's come together by faith and let's cry out to him and ask him to move on our behalf. Father God, we thank you That you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. That you, there is no shadow of turning in you. And that God, that you see and love your children. Lord, that you are our rock and our fortress, our deliverer, our help in times of trouble. God, I thank you that you hear the cries of your children. And we lift today, Lord, we lift every care, every need, every point of, of challenge and difficulty and stuckness, Lord, we lift to you today. And we ask, God, that you would be moving. God, I pray for peace in every circumstance, in every situation. We pray that joy would just flood every heart and every home. God, that there would be a deep knowing that you are, are on the move. God, that you are every person's, every person's, every believer, Lord, that you are their rock and their fortress and the deliverer, their shield and the horn of their salvation. And God, I thank you that no matter what it is that they're walking through today, that you are moving. And so God, I ask that you would move in powerful ways. I pray this week that we would hear testimonies of your faithfulness. Lord, that we would sing songs just as David did of your faithfulness because you are worthy of praise for the great things that you have done. Lord, I pray for those today who especially feel overwhelmed, where their hearts and their souls feel overwhelmed. God, I pray that you would bring relief, that you would bring freedom, that you would lift those burdens, Lord Jesus. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, you are loved so much. I love you, but more than that, God loves you. If you're watching with someone today, would you please give them a hug? Let them know that they are loved. God bless you. I pray you have an amazing week. We look forward to seeing you next time.